cliffcentral.com. Please note that the views expressed and the advice provided in this show are for general advice and entertainment purposes only. Nothing stated should be treated as a substitute for your own independent legal advice based on your own specific facts and objectives. Therefore, the presenter and cliffcentral.com accept no liability of any nature whatsoever, either expressed or implied. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. I'm Gary Hertzberg and this is The Laws of Life on cliffcentral.com. Alongside me today as ever, Lionel Makoko-Tlela. Welcome, Lions. Dumela, Gary, and Dumela to our guests and our listeners. And today I am going to get into trouble and I'm looking forward to getting into detention. For saying this, I'm in the company it just feels like I'm in an intellectual orgy company. Well, we'll hear very soon whether it's an orgy or not, Lines. Our researcher today, Benji Scheinberg, and controlling the show, the pretty flower, Palesa. Palesa, Lilomo, Labupilo, Larpilo, Yarina, Rehoratasis. Okay, today's show is about the magic of reading mm, and that, that our fun. children need to read. Oh, That's what indeed, this show is about. Yeah? Indeed, we need to really uh, educate people to read and who better to do it than our intellectual OG members. Let's meet our studio guest today. Firstly, Chris Dykes. He represents the Bookshelf Project. Uh, Chris has an MBA from Witt Business School where he was awarded one of the top student awards. Good on you, Chris. And Thank welcome. you. Nice to be here. Yeah. Chris is joined by Nikki DeVette de Toy. She's head of operations for Field of Dreams Foundation. Welcome to you. Thank you. Thank you very much. Snuggled up next to Nikki is Martha Reholane. She's the principal, is it Lysonia? Lysonia Primary School in Pretoria, is it? Martha? Is, is your school in Pretoria? Yes, it's in Pretoria. Do you know the school, aren't you from that area? Yeah, I do know the school. Okay. Um, then, uh, th- welcome to you, Martha. Thank you. Originally from Japan, and now living in South Africa, former head of Sony South Africa, Tadashi Hasanuma. Konnichiwa to you, sir. <laughs> Konnichiwa. Thank you for inviting me. Yeah, thank you. You've been with us before, but I love your project so much I had to get you back. And there have been developments and positive ones which we'll talk about. Oh, yeah. And remember, I actually did a roadshow with them one day for the visit to uh, uh, Primary, uh, primary schools uh, within the townships It was amazing yeah. And the work that they're doing, it's really amazing the, the buses are constantly in demand By the students, which just shows There is hunger for people to read And really educate themselves Yeah, we're looking for our kids to read as well Specifically our children today On To top it all today, we have A lady by the name of Shelley Aronson She's Deputy Principal Foundation Phase Crawford Prep School in Santon uh, Shelley holds a Bachelor of Education, Honours and a Master of Education, both, may I add, cum laude. Welcome to you, Shelley. Thank you. <laughs> Wonderful to be here. Yeah, it really is. Our fabulous diverse array of guests today will be talking about how that for every child, a book is a dream that they hold in their hands, Lance. Indeed. Nothing can really beat those words because if you really teach a child to really use their imagination by reading, they will become something greater. Each one of our guests today is in their own way, including me, passionate about helping a child expand his mind by becoming a reader. Oh, yeah. And 
who who better to do that than you, a very proactive father who actually has a beautiful son and you constantly read and teaching him how to read. Yeah, it's true, Lance, I do. Yeah. Uh, email address law, L-A-W, at cliffcentral.com. Uh, let us know how you feel about our shows. We've, we, we get some great feedback. Uh, keep it going. We appreciate it. Our Facebook page, The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg. Lines, we can be tweeted on... Uh, at Law. Yeah. H-E-R-T-Z-L-A-W. And if you really want to give uh, contribute anything, you can do so by touching base with us. And thank you so very much for downloading our podcast because we have actually seen an improvement in the downloads, by the way. Gary. Yeah, please join the Cliff Central family on that note, Lines, and be one of those to have downloaded the millions oh, yeah. of podcasts off the Cliff Central site. This is the future yeah, of radio. This, is, yeah, this is, is the future of communicating with communities. Absolutely. There we go. Gareth Cliff, who heads up uh, together with Rena Broomberg, we have great heads of this of this station, and we're very proud to be part of it. So get the get the podcast. Let's talk firstly to a man called Chris Dykes. Uh, who represents the Bookshelf Project. Uh, as I said, you have an MBA from Vitz Business School, and you were awarded one of the top student awards. Uh, you've said, Chris, and I just want to check it with you, I think you've said three in ten South African learners are in classrooms without a library or reading corner, which puts our children at a, at a terrible disadvantage when it comes to literacy and educational opportunities, a dismal st- uh, stat. Is that in fact so? Is it so? Or is it getting better? Well, we get our research from the press and from local, uh, you know, stats SA and that type of thing. But for me, what's more important than the, the generic stats is the state of so many of the, 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 the work, the schools that we engage with where most of the kids are struggling with their reading. Most of the kids are, uh, um, certainly not where we would like to see them. Mm. And, um, and that's what makes our project so exciting in that. When we see the kids embracing their books, holding on to them, starting to to look at some of the pictures, starting to engage, starting to realize that a world of adventure, a world of love, a world of romance, a world of story, a world of imagination mm. is between these covers and and they lose themselves in those covers and, and in the process start to build their life skills, that for me is the key. Okay, well, tell us about the wonderful work that your project does, the Bookshelf Project. What are you up to? Okay, so a couple of years ago, we were involved in a project with Rotary, just as a volunteer. And um, at the center, there was probably 60 or 70 kids um, working in, uh, you know, living in a, in a really uh, poor area around Johannesburg. And um, there was a couple of crayons in the back of this container that it was the, the home well, the, where, where these kids would come in the afternoon. And um, nothing else. And so one of the things that the, 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 the center manager said to us is they needed was a bookshelf. And they ran out of money. So we got a couple of friends together and we built a bookshelf for, the, for, these, for these guys. And uh, by the time we put all the books into the, sh- into, the cell, into the shelf, there was probably you know, more bookshelf than shelf, more bookshelf than books. Yes. And so we um, woke, I woke my girlfriend up the next morning at sort of four in the morning and said, listen, we need to go and find books. And we, we got a whole bunch of people together and we packed this bookshelf full. And I think one of those defining moments in life was one of the, the young ladies at the center approached me afterwards and she was holding on to this book. So I, I actually get quite teary thinking about it. Um, she was holding on to a book as though it was a child. And she said to me, you know, I'm so grateful. And this means so much to me because I've never owned a book before in my life. Mm. 
and that touching, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it was yeah. it was huge. Mm. Um, as it was, she she's now uh, um, done very well at school, and you know it's really cool to see the changes in her life. But certainly, uh, um, we, we we initiated the project as, as a result of of that interaction, really. And for a couple of years now, we've been going to multiple schools, um, including Crawford, who's here today. Um, and we, we basically stand up in, the, in front of their assemblies and say, listen, guys, the books that you don't want anymore, yeah. the books that you finished reading two or three years ago, um, give them to us because we have the capacity to firstly collate the books, to sort them out, to make sure that the books are age appropriate. And then we build bookshelves and we donate the bookshelves through to township schools, farm schools, etc., yeah. where there is no infrastructure. And uh, the amazing thing is that our project is sponsored through um, social development programs. Um, companies uh, um, use their, their socioeconomic development funding to make the project work. And um, really what we're able to do is take a resource uh, um, and then multiply it multiple, multiple times over in the value that's created. So a massively exciting project. Yeah. One of the schools that you've become involved with is one of the schools that has a wonderful head, what do you call it, a headmistress. <laughs> headmistress. Uh, headmistress, and it's Martha. Martha, you met Chris some years ago. I've met Chris three years ago. Yeah. And then he donated lots of books to the school. And before we didn't have, we didn't have anything until Chris, until Chris came to the school. Then that's why we had a vision that someday we can own a library. Chris donated books which were relevant to, to, to the children, especially the level of the level of books and the age also. And the books were very much colorful. As as at as at the school, we're struggling with. Learners who can't read and write. Well, let's talk about your school. It's called the Lysonia, L-A-E-Z-O-N-I-A, primary. Yes. You have over a thousand pupils? We have got 10, 10, 16, 10 60 kids at the school. 1,060? Yes. How many kids per class? Plus or minus 56 or 57. Mm. It's a lot. It's a lot. It's overcrowded. It's overcrowded. There were, there were no, there were no books. For leisure reading, I know you get textbooks, you told me, but yes. uh, for leisure reading, there was nothing. There was nothing. So the kids have no way of expanding their mind beyond the few textbooks that they get in class. Only what the teacher can do to them in the class can teach them. That That's what's it. They couldn't explore, they couldn't experience anything until Chris uh, came with those books. Then learners were able to go to the... Even though it wasn't the a proper library, they were able to go to, uh, to, uh, to the uh, to the so-called library by then to read those books that Chris has donated to the school. Let's talk about your school. I know at one stage it was condemned by the authorities and was actually shut down. And uh, it was opened, I think, before you came along in 2014. And hundreds of mostly destitute children were the children that attended your school or may still do. Is is that kind of accurate? Uh, yes. Yeah. Mm. Apparently, um, lines. I don't know if you know about it. The ramshackle and and rundown classrooms were intended to accommodate 640, and now they've got twice that. Yeah. So this is this is tough. It's a tough what's going on there, and you're trying to do your best to pull it right. And I think you've done a great job, according to reports. Thank you. 
Yeah, no, she is very much trying, but I think though the, the other thing that we also need to really uh, touch base on is the uh, level of involvement by parents uh, to actually be proactively involved in the schools so that they can actually add a little bit of value. But more importantly, also the um, uh, the Department of Health, uh, Education must actually play a role in terms of making sure that there are mobile cl- uh, classes available, just so that at least p- uh, uh, pupils or rather uh, can actually get uh, attention in terms of them being assisted. By teachers, because really, sixty people in a class—it's going to be too much to really sort that out. Yeah, I mean, we're all nodding here. We have, you know, we—I we, know my little boy is in a private school, and he has twenty odd kids in his class, and I'm—I'm I'm blessed to be able to send him there because he gets individual attention and good attention. It's very hard with over fifty kids in a classroom to give them the attention they deserve. We all know that, and we all kind of shake and shiver and say. You know, but for whatever I would I would be there, but you're still trying to make a difference, and people like Chris are making that difference, and that's why we want to run this show. You are bringing books into that school that they would never ever see in their lives. Marvelous! Give us an idea of what kind of books you bring in. Okay, just before uh, we talk about what the books are mm-hmm. and what our intention is. If I can just also emphasize the point um, within the space that uh, Martha's operating, mm. is that the kind of school that you're sending your kid to, mm. most of the parents are going to be literate. Most of the parents are going to be excited about reading themselves and mm. are going to be facilitating the the development of that child after the school. So you've you've got the amazing infrastructure that exists in the school, and then you've got the support network afterwards. For many of the kids. At Martha's school, um, their parents are illiterate, and they're not consciously uh, or actively, should we say, uh, driving literacy in their own personal capacity. Yeah. Many of them because of their circumstances, many of them because they're getting home 19, 11 o'clock at night after having taken a taxi for a couple of hours every single day. And so the kids are at, are at a sort of double disadvantage, if we can say that. Yeah. And one of the things that inspired me about Martha when we first started speaking was that she opens her school up earlier in the mornings than required to do extra reading sessions, True. which which I find inspiring. And, uh, you know, so many of the kids that are struggling actively attend these sessions and make the time and the effort to get there early. Mm. So truly, truly extraordinary. Yeah. Shelley Aronson of Crawford, do you want to chip in now or do you want to wait for we'll, – we'll hold, we'll hold Shelley. She's, she's passionate about – Schooling and reading, she's got so much to help us with. Um, Yeah, Martha. Okay, I just want to add something on what Chris just said. Uh, The commitment that that I'm getting from the from the staff of Lazonia, it's it's really uh, um, huge because. Normally by seven o'clock, every teacher is at the school so that they can assist kids, those who can't read, I mean, who can't do homeworks. Mm. So, and because of the challenges that the parents are facing, not knowing how to read and write. But at the end of the day, we have got morning lessons and afternoon lessons. And then that's where lots of kids are benefiting. Yeah, well, it's a credit to you as the principal. And I think we, we must acknowledge that. Otherwise, you could also you know, come in at 8 o'clock and uh, the kids would, would not benefit. True. So they say the fish stinks from the head or the fish 
grows from the head and in your case it's the latter yeah. oh, certainly. Lines, yeah. but it also just shows the level of commitment uh, from the leaders and for that madam we just want to say thank you we salute people like yourself and we need more of teachers like you who are actually going to be proactive and I hope that the parents can also come on board and really take part in this whole initiative because it's a beautiful initiative and it's going to change the country as a whole keep up the good work and we really really appreciate that from the bottom of our hearts yeah very well said Lance each bookshelf is costing 900 rand or more today Chris who's funding this how do you how do you cope with this okay well first of all um, the question that you asked about the type of books that we collect mm. we don't want to get books in that are more of the same kind of textbooks that the guys have at school already yeah. uh, well, in, in most instances. You want them to relax, don't you? And yeah. Expand their minds. Absolutely. In, I mean, yeah. really, the vision, of the, pro- the, 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 the vision of the Bookshelf Project is to inspire a love of reading. Mm. And the only way we're going to do that is by putting enough books into every bookshelf that most of the kids or all of the kids are going to have books that meet their interests. And so there's a combination of novels, um, young readers, young adult readers, right the way through to um, even your hardcover paper books that um, your your sort of youngsters would use. Mm. And then a, a selection of easy access, easy access reference books. So fossils, for example, or uh, um, picture books of, of what South Africa is like, uh, what the Kruger National Park is like. Mm. Um and so some of the kids are a little bit more academic, some of them are a little bit more interested in, in sort of theory and not just getting involved in a love story. Yeah. Uh, and, but it's the combination of books that are selected for the age levels of the schools that we donate to that I think brings the bookshelf alive and makes, makes the magic happen. Yep. There's another great project that's taking place at the same time, and it's run by a man who used to head up Sony South Africa, which is a very big position. Uh, you came to South Africa, what's it, nearly 20 years ago? Tad, I call you Tad, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I came here in uh, 1998 mm. to, start, to start Sony South Africa. And you still live in South Africa? Oh, yeah. I worked for Sony about six years, and after mm. I retired in uh, 2004 from Sony. Yes. But seeing the, uh, you know, the level of the, you know, the people's uh, uh, literacy, or like they're able to calculate or able to read, Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not yet to the standard of society, mm-hmm. so lots of people could not have a job. So, which means that for society, we are losing the opportunity of businesses. If people don't earn money, they can't buy even the Sony products. So that was you know, my initial uh, thought. And we Japanese always read and write things. Mm-hmm. We are not something and black people. They love to sing songs and dances. We Japanese love read and write. And uh, it's a kind of common sense for Japanese people to read the books. Yep. And South Africa, about 90% of schools do not have school libraries. Mm. And uh, this is a big handicap for even uh, today's younger children to become uh, literate. And without being able to read and write, coming to the working society, mm. oh, ho, ho. They may not be able to get a job. So let me explain what Tad has gone and done. It's a mm. fascinating project. Mm. When I first heard about it, I, you know, I thought, is this for real? And it is for real. So let me, let me try and explain very simply. In, in Japan, they have these mobile libraries that go around in buses. There are five, six hundred buses at any one time. And these buses get replaced 
after a certain usage and a very low uh, reading on on the on the mileage. So I think after about twenty to sixty thousand k's, they replace the buses. I think they can in Japan because they made in Japan and they made cheaply in Japan, and they want the best. So. Tad came with this idea. He said, hold on a second. What are you doing with the old buses? The old buses that are really, we would regard as kind of new buses, but to them in Japan, they, they old. So he's brought them in and they export these dozens of buses into South Africa at someone's cost. Who's paying for the export to get the buses here? Uh, I have to find a lot of sponsors. You got to find I'm, sponsors. Yeah, I, I'm knocking the doors here and there to get the money to raise a fund yeah. in order to say export from Japan to South Africa. So they come in Mahala, they come in free, but you've got to pay for the, the charges that's to get it, them here, it. but you don't pay for the bus. No. no. Uh, the, uh, normally a bus is, uh, those buses, or the book, we call the book buses, yeah. belong to uh, uh, Japanese municipality offices in Japan. And after replacing the old bus, they may not need anymore. Okay, so normally a mobile library bus is a two to three ton bus and it's got a special library cabin equipped with bookshelves carrying up to three, two to three thousand books. That's it. Okay. That's a. Now they arrive in South Africa, they stocked up with books and we're going to find out where you're getting the books from. And then the Department of Education is giving you drivers to drive these mobile libraries around South Africa. That's it. And it's right through. It's not just mm. one province. We've got, you've got them all over the place. Uh, basically, nine provinces yeah. of South Africa yeah. received a donation of these buses. And uh, fortunately, South African road regulation is almost similar to Japan. Right side handle, kilometer mm. indication. Okay. So the good second hand, uh, relatively younger, like uh, uh, low mileage buses could be utilized. And the provincial department of education are supposed to make us, you know, book services or library services to the children. But because of uh, limits of funding and so on, they are battling to, you know, have the uh, libraries all over the school. Mm. So we donate these buses in exchange with their promises that they would look after the bus. Do they? they, do, they I mean, do, do they look after the buses? They've oh. got to, yes. Otherwise, they've got to, they've got to maintain them. If they don't, you, you take them back. Lange, you've been on one of these buses. You went on a roadshow. Tell us exactly what happened. Oh, no. What actually happens is that the uh, the buses they get uh, they get books from uh, other colleagues uh, all over South, uh, all over the world uh, from uh, Sony uh, employees who actually contribute the books that they actually don't want. Mm. And some of the books actually are the books that their children were actually reading. So they donate to this uh, initiative. Mm. And then they, they are brought to South Africa. And once they are brought to South Africa, Mr. Ted sits with the, uh, with the team and start allocating the books accordingly to uh, each provinces. And then the buses actually every, I think uh, we went on a Wednesday or Thursday where we actually had to go to uh, Johannesburg, uh, east, uh, the, uh, the, the east side of Joburg, mm. where he was actually going to to uh, school, uh, schools within a particular area from one area to the next. And this uh, school uh, would actually allow children to get out and come to the buses to really collect books for themselves. And the interesting thing is just that it really introduces you to what the, a, a proper library looks like because they've got a scanner and you actually need to basically be responsible by bringing the book before D-Day. So th- those are just basically some of the initiatives that they actually brought to the table. Yeah. Your organization is called Sapezi. S-A-P-E-S-I, which stands for South African something uh, or other. Uh, yeah. South African 
primary education support initiative. Okay. This is what we are trying Now, you, to do. you are aiming in the next 10 years or so to mm-hmm. cover 2,500 schools with 100 buses, which is a big task. But, but may the Lord keep you alive and bless you. <laughs> This is going to happen. Yes? Uh, I think I have to find somebody to help me <laughs> or succeed me. But look, as far as the children are there, Yeah. If they don't have a book, access to the books, I think we have to say organize these kind of things. The best is to hold school to have the libraries. Mm. But the remote area, smaller school, because of the limits of the budget, for time being, there might be spaces for the buses to go and deliver the books. I know that at the end of last year, which is 2016, the Sony group of companies based in Singapore donated 9,600 English children's books. And it was handed over to the North, Northwest that's right. Provincial Department. I mean, that's stunning. That's marvelous. Mm. You know, that amount of books. There's some really good people that are in this country like yourselves, like everyone in studio today. It's just unbelievable to think that, that the generosity is just so overwhelming here. You know, the yeah. uh, most uh, uh, first-class countries, they know the value of the education and value of their readings. Mm-hmm. And when we explain to the, uh, those countries, people like USA, Japan, or Singapore, or UK, mm-hmm. that the children of Mr. Mandela need the books. Then everybody says, ah. Oh, Mr. Mandela. Mr. Okay. Mandela. Yeah. It's a magic word. It is so, a magic mm-hmm. word, yeah. And, uh, you know, we got lots of donations of the books. Mm-hmm. And, uh, these, it, you know, the one of the shipping company named K-Line, Japanese shipping company, mm-hmm. offers us a free containers to hand carries. So there are lots of supporters. Behind the, this mobile library activities. Madiba would turn in his grave if he knew what was going on in Parliament. <laughs> But uh, if he saw what was going on here, he mm. would really be proud of you. In his name as well, marvelous. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you've, you've got 15 startup libraries uh, that uh, are b- with 500 books. And I think you've credited uh, SA Taxi Foundation for assisting. Uh, uh, yes, did they? One did, of the yeah. uh, our sponsors uh, is the SA Taxi Foundation, yeah. which gives us uh, office space uh, since two years ago. Up to then, uh, our office is a mug and bean in Midland. <laughs> <laughs> mug and bean Midland. Now you have an office. That's uh, that's yeah. uh, so we have lots of the sponsors like SA Taxi Foundations, mm. uh, MOL Shipping Company, even uh, Japanese Ministry of Foreign Affairs helps us. Can you and Chris kind of collaborate in any way? Chris, do you see yourself collaborating or is it a Well, we've just met and yeah. I'm certainly inspired. And from our side of things, we have, we've probably given away about 25,000 books so far, mm. uh, talking about going overseas and, and using Mr. Mandela's name. I was in the UK last year engaging with a number of schools there and Every single one of the schools that I connected committed to donating books. We're just getting the logistics right, which is proving to be a little bit more difficult than I had thought. But it's we're on the verge of getting it right. And uh, from my side, I'll commit to donating a whole uh, batch of books uh, uh, um, as best as I can. Is there anyone, uh, Tad, that you want to publicly thank, like any corporations, t- uh, Sony and any others that deserve credit for helping, financing, bringing the stuff in? Oh, yes, sir. there yeah. are a huge number of the companies, yeah. uh, starting from like Sony and so on. Yeah. And, uh, like, you uh, can't bring NSK. in half price, the old Playstations for my little boy that I can <laughs> <laughs> It's a little arguable, arguable. Okay, arguable. You know, yeah. arguable. Playstation may not help children's uh, reading time. <laughs> I see you, you're accompanied by two groupies here today. I don't know. 
Are they uh, are they part of your organization? The two ladies in studio, or are they? Yes, yes. Yeah. They are. Uh, they are their they husband are working in South Africa. Okay. So they are volunteering us to help. They're helping us. Yeah. Would you like to come forward, ladies, and talk to us? You okay? No, no. You're just happy listening. So you have you you're getting people to assist now. It's getting bigger and bigger. This project. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Mm. We're going to break for a moment just to give us all a breather. When we come back, we're going to talk to Shelley Aronson from Crawford Schools. She's got a lot to say about reading aloud. We'll be right back. I'm Gary Hertzberg. We're back in studio with a with a marvelous group of giving people who are allowing our children to expand their minds. Wonderful. People like this do so much good in the background, and no one hears about it because no one's pushing it. That's why I'm raising these topics. Lance. Oh, certainly. Yeah. You are one of the greatest. And I think the most important thing that we need to actually do is to really emphasize most of uh, these people who are actually uh, make, uh, making a very profound uh, impact in the children of our communities. Oh. And for whatever they're doing, we just want to salute you. You are the heroes and the heroines that South Africa needs. And with your help, and if we can really learn something from this wealth of wisdom that you have, we can really change South Africa for the better. Shelley Aronson is Deputy Principal Foundation Phase Crawford uh, Prep, one of the uh, very, very enlightened schools and privileged schools, if I may use that, in Johannesburg. Shell, you're passionate about education and you believe fervently, because we've discussed this, that reading that bedtime story aloud to a young child has a multitude of benefits. Talk to us about that, because so many parents aren't doing this. Well, first of all, I'm humbled by sitting here amongst all these wonderful people. Um, I'm amazed by the wonderful work that you are doing. Just keep on. It's absolutely fabulous. It is fabulous, yeah. Really. Um, yes, so, yes, I am passionate about reading aloud, and I am passionate about education and reading in general. At my school, at the end of every day, um, the teachers take a book, and they read in the foundation phase to the children every single day. And so children are being read to every single day. Um, there's a wonderful lady. Her name is Mem Fox. Uh, she is a an Australian professor, and she wrote a book called Reading Magic. Mm. And she discusses as well uh, the merits of reading aloud to children from a very, very young age. We are told that when we're bringing up children, we should converse with them and talk to them and engage with them from babyhood. And it's the same with books. Children are receiving language all the time. And how much better can they receive than the richness of language in the written form and being read to? So right from the very, very start, from very early on, people should read to their babies. Uh, they might not engage, but they are listening and they are receiving and that is very, very important. Yeah, it's, it's lovely when you read aloud and your child says, what does that mean? And uh, you, you can explain it and you can discuss it. Um, I know it's a bit cliche, but it's, it's just, it's so, as a parent, it's beautiful. And you know that he'll remember that word or she will. And they're walking away with 
something more. That vocabulary is expanding daily. And I, I speak to, I mean, I'm a father of a six-year-old, as I've said six times. I have so many friends who are in the same position that work late. Uh, it's hard for them to do homework, have supper, do homework. They, 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 the travel, travel time today is crazy. can take you two and a half hours to get home. They get home at seven, half past seven. By the time everyone's had supper, everyone's too tired to do anything. The kids are packed off into bed and that's it. Unfortunate. It is unfortunate, really. It, it really is. It is unfortunate yeah. because there's nothing better than lying with your parent on the bed with a book between you and reading and sharing the story. Yeah, I mean, it can be a Kindle as well. It doesn't have to necessarily be a book. Lines, you always say uh, the same thing. Oh, yes, yeah, certainly. Yeah, no, but that's a beautiful thing. And I think that that is one thing, one way of actually connecting with your child just so that you really uh, pave a way that will actually enlighten them to become proactive readers in the future. You're a, a very voracious reader, Lionel. Were you read to by anyone or did you have your parents around really? Or? No, actually I was raised by my grandmother so the whole um, love of reading or education just came at a later stage when I actually evaluated my own standing point to simply say that I wasn't actually equipped um, to, to, to really be uh, proactive or be competitive in the market so I took it upon myself to really educate myself. Mm. So that's Martha, I, you, did you manage to were you read to as a little one or did you not get that opportunity? I didn't get that opportunity. Only mm. that our grandparents were reading, I mean, were doing stories, storytelling, storytelling yes. yeah. and lots of folks telling because of we grew up fearing some of the stories that they were uh, talking about. Mm. And But opportunity of getting a book in front of my hands with my mom or my grand. Parents, I didn't have that opportunity. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great shame, isn't it? But things are changing due to people like we have in studio today who are giving children that opportunity. Um, shall I know that Crawford has a wonderful library? You're very blessed to have that with filled with books. Do parents make use of it? I think that they do, and I think that the children themselves go into the library once a cycle to receive books and to read books. Uh, I think that the parents do. They're very keen on, on reading with their children. Um, and as I said, I know that Mem Fox says read three times a day. Well, that's almost impossible. But to find the time, spend that time. Children's uh, younger children, the books take maybe 10, 15 minutes. Spend the time discussing the pictures. The illustrations are so magnificent. Yeah. They're works of art. Uh, I, I think of offhand of, of the Winnie the Witch series where Corky Paul is the illustrator. And those pictures are amazing. They really are. And they themselves can generate conversation where the children and the parents can make use of the vocabulary that they've been reading in the book and expand on that. One question I want to throw out to Lionel and to you, Shell, and to Martha and whoever. There are a lot of books like Rapunzel, The Girl with the Blonde Head. Can, can a black child identify with that or can, can he enjoy, she enjoy the story as though, yeah, like? No, certainly, yes. It's just all about really connecting with a character and really using your own imagination to create your own drama within your mind. And in most cases, what really reading does, it just really expands your imagination to really start becoming a proactive thinker and you start really becoming creative in as far as making sure that you've got your own 
own characters and to really make it a point that you connect those characters with what you are actually reading on. So it doesn't really matter what their book is all about, but as long as you are reading and you can really expand your mind. What's come up on social media is one of our moms wants to know, even though my child can read uh, a book himself, should I still read aloud to him? Yeah, what's the answer to that? Absolutely. Yeah. You must continue reading for as long as you possibly can. Mm. Uh, Until the kids... Push you away and say, I've had until enough. They, yeah. Until they say, I can do this on my own now. Yeah. But I, even even though even though they can read, you just keep reading because they enjoy that that warmth and the and the sound of your voice and the intonation and. Well, possibly. I have um, people, children. I worked with children last year who were nine, turning ten, and uh, we read the the. They had the book Charlie and the Chocolate Factory by Roald Dahl. Yeah. And. Uh, we never ever, I did have permission from the parents, but we never ever sat down to read that book without a slab of chocolate. Ah. And it was just one. <laughs> I don't know how good that is. <laughs> no, it was just one piece of that slab and it just created so much enjoyment oh. and the children absolutely loved it. Every time I took the book out and they took theirs out too and they followed me and uh, we read together. It was absolutely wonderful. And that's another thing. Shared reading is read with your parents and share the books together. I just want to mention one thing. I've met your son. Who's an intellectual of note And uh, he obviously got it from you Having read to him from from The minute he was nothing yeah. I did, I did yeah. indeed And I now have gra- grandchildren yeah. And they live overseas I'm going to visit them soon mm. And my six year old grandchild Phoned me the other day and said Granny, don't forget to bring me some books <laughs> oh, <laughs> Lovely Your son great. Gary enters all the quizzes He's a, he's a mind of of, of information If you wanted it He's your phone a friend Kind of guy He's my phone a friend And he got it from From having listened To the books If everyone would understand It's so simple It yeah. is it Chris is. you wanted to say something Yeah the question about What <clears throat> books people can relate to And whether Rapunzel Is a, is is, mm. is appropriate or not For me The question almost becomes irrelevant If people have choice If kids have choice because they're going to choose something that they align with. And who are, who are we to be judgmental about what is or not going to work? Provided that people are getting enjoyment, provided they're having their imaginations enlightened and inspired and ignited, then that's what matters. Yeah. There's a, there's a wonderful um, – is it a foundation that uh, – it's called a Field of Dreams Foundation – and in studio today, we have the ops director, or you head of operations. Yeah. Okay. Now, the field of dreams, tell us what it is. Well, it's a children's center yeah. that is serving a community. We're very fortunate. We are uh, close to Hotbiz Prodam. We're right opposite a community that is in is far away from everything. Yeah. So we're in the fortunate position that we can accommodate the entire community in terms of what kind of services they need and how to help. And when it comes to the books and the reading, we have a children's center but it's a learning center as much as what it is playtime and fun time. Mm-hmm. What happens there is that we definitely know that very few can read. Um, none of those kids, I think, have ever had their own books. So also with Chris's help uh, and a lot of other donations, we've um, 
We've got a lovely library which we're now developing into having reading sessions in the morning and in the afternoon. I feel quite emotional about it actually because <clears throat> the important we, thing we is all, we all we'll all get cheery here. <laughs> yeah. We're all emotional about it. And you're allowed to. One of the things is really that struck me um, is that the parents, most of the parents can't read, uh, and they struggle with writing. So, as as an individual, and and what we sit there with, there's nothing conventional. We've got to be creative, mm-hmm. and I and I've figured out that the more creative we are, as as a, a service provider to this community, um, the better we can integrate. The, that gap, Shelley, that you spoke about, if parents and what you spoke about, if the parents don't read to the kids, some might not know why mm. it's necessary. So we, we're coming up with creative ways in including um, empowering the, the parents to become involved with the kids in terms of reading. Lovely. Yeah, yeah love that. Yeah. Bravo. Mm. Bravo, because that's what we need. If just, I, just to, to, in case people that are listening and usually they've downloaded the podcast, right. if they want to look at the website, it's called Field of, Field of Dreams Foundation.org.za. Field of Dreams Foundation.org.za. You, you've got to have a look at this. It can Fantastic. be either that yeah. or, or it will be uh, FOD Foundation.co.za. FOD. Okay. F-O-D. Yeah. How many kids come to your. F- your place every day. Well, we actually only opened in end of August last year, so we're only at 168. And only, oh, only, yeah. But and the yeah. the ages are between two and 17, so it's quite a variety. And then the people we have wonderful women who are volunteers from the community. Mm. So we broke them up in age groups, which is really. Coupled with that, the, the volunteers don't really know anything about education. So it's a learning progress, uh, progressive learning process altogether. One of the things that we've currently started, uh, we've got a once-off project. The founder of this place, Lydia Hunt, uh, she's going yeah, to tell run us about her. She, uh, I know there's something. Yeah. She climbs mountains or something. That's it. Lydia Hunt, H-O-N-D. Yes. Yeah, tell us what she her story. Uh, yeah. Three and a half years ago, she climbed Everest in order to uh, raise funds to build this particular center, wow. and uh, which is it's beautiful. Where, I where, where everybody. is Lee today? Because we should, we should have had her here. Uh, she's right around the corner. Oh, okay. Well, yeah. we'll, get her, we'll get her back. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, in, in April this year, hmm. Lee is running the Marathon des Sables, which is uh, between the 7th and the 17th of April. Hmm. Um, it's the the most grueling foot race on earth. And she's doing that to raise funds to build a clinic. Mm. Now, what we came up with, what we came up with uh, to piggyback basically on what she's doing is that we decided to run a marathon of skills. So we want to, Lee is going to run 251 kilometers in seven days through the desert. We are going to train 251 people in seven days. Wow. Yeah, it gives you culture, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. So yeah. we've got a couple of skills. We've selected three skills, which is first aid. Anybody can use that. And then in order for to create sustainability, coupled with that people start reading up a little bit and come use our library, um, 
is basic carpentry where the people will learn to make a vegetable box. And then the third skill is how can I plant what to feed, sustainably feed myself from this box for my family wow. in, in the community. And we're hoping to roll that out as well. Yeah, what happens if a, a little kid is black, uh, he doesn't speak, or do they speak English from that community? Very few. So they how, do. Uh, maybe Shelley can answer. Uh, someone needs to explain to me, when you read to them, do they kind of understand what you're reading about or... Who knows this one lines? Uh, no, you kind of like have an idea. There's, <laughs> when it comes to reading, there is another language which is more of a spiritual thing where you connect with the person who's actually um, illustrating or reading for, uh, for you. And that is basically the power of it. And most people do actually connect with it. And in some cases, you'd find that there are interpreters who actually uh, do their whole uh, narrative in the language that other people can actually understand. So yeah, is, is is anything interpreted or how does it work in we your do, case? Yeah. We do a combination. We mm. would read in English and uh, also tell the story, say okay. what the story is going to be about. Mm. And everybody is encouraged to animate, mm. as what you said, use a lot of animation. Yeah. Shell, uh, is that workable? Is that is that what you is? Are we getting maximum out of that, or have you got any ideas of how it can be improved? Yeah, I think that um, one's voice. Um, can help the expression, the expressions on the face. The children are listening. They're watching. They're waiting. Um, I think that that can help. But that was a question I wanted to ask earlier. Mm-hmm. Is we heard about song, we've heard about folk tales. Um, Telling stories And I want to know Where are these stories Where are they in the written form mm-hmm. I know we get a few of them You know how the zebra got its stripes and, um, But some of those stories Are lost in translation Because the beauty and the expressiveness Of the language Isn't always coming through From the original um, From the original language And I want to know where are the authors Where are the writers Who's writing these stories that your grandmother told you Mm. Uh, I think it would be so wonderful to be able to utilize those and to be able to read those with the children in their own mother tongue. Yeah, are, are there enough books in African languages that are coming through the system? Yeah. Currently, there are African writers who actually want to go back to start writing African uh, stories. But in most cases, you realize that there's not many of them. And in most cases, they don't really go out to really promote themselves. And that is the tragedy of it, because in most cases, their history is never recorded. So how do you bring something that is unrecorded to the table of knowledge? And you'd find that uh, as years goes by, people tend to really no longer become interested in that story. And they never really share it with the other people but with books, whatever is written, it gets to be lied in, it lies in the book. And if one gets hold of the book, they can actually read it, read it for themselves. But with storytelling, that's where the, uh, the danger comes in, which is quite unfortunate. Actually, the, what you're simply raising, it's a very valid question. We need to. Yeah, uh, Tad, you wanted to add something? Yeah. Japan, old days, yes, we used to be storytelling uh, countries. But uh, we are now. The book reading countries, mm-hmm. there's a gap. And you know, the, the, when you see this small children, like a, you know, five, four, five, six years old, they are also facing these changes from storytelling, but they can read and write. So they listen to mothers or you know, the elders' talks. And then grade one to three, they sort of learn how to read and write. 
there's a, その this, middle this area, there's a way to cover up. It's a, that's a reason that lots of publishers make a big picture books with a full of the pictures, right? And small letters. And the parents, teachers show these pictures and tell the stories. And this is a function of storybooks, a big size. And, uh, I think, uh, if we make, uh, this, uh, big size storybooks with African themes, maybe it may come to the heart of the children and the parents. Even the parents might know the stories of their own, you know, the ancestors. So seeing the pictures, they can tell the stories of the ancestors with their own value and, uh, you know, the feelings. So I think we, uh, I like to discuss with the South African publishers how to promote this African theme picture books. Yeah, absolutely. A great idea. Let's just talk to our researcher, Benji, for a moment. Benj, we have a wonderful array of people in our studio today. Each one has got something to show. Can you tweet out the buses that Tad has brought in from Japan, the bookshelves that, have, that Chris has donated, and the books, the foundation uh, also needs pictures out. Uh, Martha's School. Uh, everyone, Shelley's ideas. Can you get this out? Yes, with absolute pleasure. And it's such a privilege to be in such great company. And everyone here, as it's been said, are, are doing such great work for children and reading and learning. So well done to everybody. Yeah, very good stuff. Amazing. Yeah, this is all behind the scenes, Benj. I don't know if anyone knows about this. Uh, how many? You know, I didn't know about Sapezi and their and their, their buses from Japan until I met Tad. Chris does wonderful work. I read about it recently in The Star, but it's also quiet. I mean, no one knows. The foundation, people are climbing mountains, literally, in order to climb mountains in South Africa for our children. Martha's changing lives to, for over a thousand children. Shelley's come with passionate ideas about how to read aloud. Is this getting out there? That's all I'm begging you. Just get it out there. Yeah. No, definitely. And the more people that see it, the better, because then we make a bigger difference in many, many kids' lives. So it's amazing. Great yeah. work, guys. Chris Dykes of the Bookshelf Project. There's one thing I want to talk to you about. You're also in business. I am. And you also, um, I, I want you to promote your business quickly, if you wouldn't mind telling me in a minute what you do. So we basically help companies sort out their BEE strategies. And in the process of helping them, we get donated money through their social funding mm. uh, to drive our uh, bookshop programs, study skills programs, public speaking programs, etc. We also get funding to drive our entrepreneur program. Uh, we run workshops with entrepreneurs coming from all kinds of backgrounds. Are you doing training as well? Training, coaching, training development. Training important. Is that for kids or for adults? No, no, or? these are entrepreneurs. Entrepreneurs. Uh, yeah, I mean, when it comes to training, we would do, like, for example, a study skills workshop. Yeah. Uh, one of our partners, for example, is the Tomorrow Trust, who's been doing work for many, many years in uh, 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 working with kids coming from disadvantaged backgrounds. And we support them by running uh, study skills workshops every single year. What's the name of your business? Infinity Learning. Okay, we can Google that, Infinity oh, absolutely. Learning. I also like to thank Crawford Schools very much. Shelley Aronson had to speak to the principal who uh, gave her the green light to be here. Can we thank him publicly? Yeah, very nice of him to let you go Because the kids need you <laughs> Thank you Gordon for allowing me to be here this afternoon And what a privilege it has been Thank you Yeah, we've privileged kids, a lot of us at, at Crawford And they need to hear this so that they know that not everyone has got what they got Yeah To you Madam Martha 
the principal of a school that's got 50 odd children in their classes. Good luck to you. We're all going to, we, we're digging deep to help one another in this country. I really believe that. Yes, yeah. I do. Yeah, good luck with your school. Thank you. Ted, well, you know what you've got to do. You've got to bring in bus, bus loads of buses. We're waiting more for More buses, you. more books, yeah. and more schools. More children with more teachers. Yeah, I mean, That's our, our it would have been very simple for you to, after you left Sony as the boss, just to reside and go and live in Cape Town on the beach. <laughs> Instead of you making a hell of a difference, isn't he, Lionel? It's marvelous. Oh, certainly, and yeah. he's such a great um, ball of energy. And for whatever he's doing for the country, it's just brilliant. And we really thank you from the bottom of our hearts and keep on doing the great work. And to everyone who actually came here, Thank you so very much for the work that you're doing because you are changing the country for the better. And how better can you actually do that by actually empowering the young ones and making sure that they use their creative minds to really do something positive. Thank Your you. happiness, uh, I think we all stand by the adage here, happiness consists in giving and in serving others. And uh, Shelley Aronson's got a, what's it, a, a, not a bus full, but she's got quite a few books. Uh, tell us quickly about them, Shell. You've got a minute. I've just pulled these out of a bookshelf, and uh, on behalf of the school, I'd just like to donate these to whoever wants them. Yeah, um, well, some of them, <laughs> some of them are for children to read on their own. Some of them are lovely story books. Yeah, can you tell us quickly what you got? Snakes and ladders, I see there. And, uh, <laughs> these are a few um, reading books yeah. um, at different levels, written by some very well-known. Authors, Julia Donaldson, Michael Mapurgo, oh, um, and Fine, just to name a few. We're going to so, take a picture of you handing over. Maybe we can split it between whoever. And many thanks to Crawford for donating oh, this. Bravo. You do, you, you have been credited for having donated a lot of books. I think, Chris, you, you oh, said, yeah. yeah. When we first started, Crawford and in Santon was one of the, our main, our main benefactors. You know, there's multiple schools, for example, Saheti, yeah. uh, Bishop Baven, Crawford, just to name a few, who have really been the lifeblood of our program because without the, the books being donated to us, there's no way that we would have been able to donate uh, as many books as we have. I mean, so far, we're probably at around 25,000 books. Wow. And uh, in this, this year, in 2017, we're hoping to do at least that, if not more. And it really comes from the hearts of of people that are generous enough to say, I've benefited from the story. My heart is lighter and brighter, and I'd love to share to share the story. Yeah, that's the voice of Chris Dykes of the Bookshelf Project. Have a look at it. Uh, you're on Facebook and on the yeah, net. Um, yeah. the, the company itself is called Infinity Learning, mm. and, and that's where we run most of our social media from. So it's the Infinity Learning with the orange logo. Yeah. Benji, if you don't mind, if you wouldn't mind inviting for next week the lady who climbed Mount Everest, I'd like to talk to her about that. Yeah, done. I'll get those details 100%. Great, yeah, she, great she stuff. She deserves – she's climbing mountains for us. So, yeah, I want to hear. Good. And to you, Martha, thank you. Shelley Aronson and Tad, thank you very much. It's been a great show. You quote, Chris, you quote uh, – I think it's uh, U.S. First Lady Jacqueline Kennedy. She once said that a love of books is the best way to enlarge a child's world. And uh, But for many children in South Africa, this would not be a reality if it wasn't for people like yourselves. Many thanks to all of you. And we look forward to talking to you again, all of you, uh, to catch up. Tad was here a year ago. In a year or so, we're going to catch up again. 
Thank you to our teachers and principals and all the rest. My pleasure. Wonderful. Good. Thanks for the yeah. opportunity of being here. We really yeah. appreciate it. It's been a great show. Thank you very much. Law, like you've never heard it before. The Laws of Life with Gary Hertzberg on cliffcentral.com. Cliffcentral.com.